Here it is, the Pistons Pod, with your host, Matt Derry. Pistons Pod right here at Pistons.com. Welcome in, everybody. Another week, Matt Derry, indeed, with you as the Pistons get ready to hit the road and then come back home. We'll hopefully see you at Little Caesars Arena Sunday against the Nets, Tuesday against the Jazz. Some good opponents coming into Little Caesars Arena. And don't forget, after Christmas, the Clippers are in town on December 26th. Orlando on the 28th. Our guest today is our buddy Vinny Goodwill from Yahoo Sports, senior NBA writer uh, who is in town after uh, making the trek around from Chicago and New York, sees all the teams, but is based here in Detroit. Nobody knows the Pistons better than Vinny and taking some time out of his day to join us today here on the pod. Vince, always a pleasure. Hey, man, always good to be with you, Dees. How you been, buddy? I'm in good, man. How about you? I'm hanging in, hanging in. This uh, th- this team obviously has been bit by the injury bug and certainly the news this week about Cade Cunningham. H- how do you view it in terms of long-term, or maybe let's start short-term for this season and then certainly down the road? I mean, it is a setback. You know, Cade is one of those guys, as polished as his game is to be a, you know, a 20-year-old, so to speak, you still want to be able to play and get out there and learn, especially and learn with your teammates, learn with the guys that, you know, this team plans on building around. And But you also want them to be healthy. And to hear, you know, some of the things that I've heard over the past, you know, month or so while waiting on this to come down is that you know, he had to play a game and then sit a game or play two and sit two. It just didn't seem feasible you know, for actual growth because you need some continuity just in playing every day. And I think he came to the right decision. I think it's good that he took the time to make that decision and not feeling forced into it, that the team, you know, left it to him. And, you know, when you're this age and, and it's, it's a decision that's going to end your season, you got to be absolutely sure. And in the, in the long term, Matt, of course, it, it puts you in a completely different spot than you anticipated, but it does open the door for Jaden Ivey, for Killian Hayes to, you know, have a little bit more usage or a lot more usage to figure themselves out as players. And it, it's going to be an interesting dynamic depending on how those players develop and grow. As you come into next season, you're going to have more seasoned guys and you're going to have a Kay Cunningham that's going to be trying to reestablish himself. I guess the casual fan, Vince, would probably say and, and look at the record and then see this Cade news and say, oh, man, sky's falling and, and everything else. Yet um, they're doing the right thing. They're protecting the, their biggest asset, right? And from a standpoint of just optics and watching this team without him, they're scratching and clawing in every game, and they've had some pretty good wins as of late. You know, the Dallas win and the Miami win too. Yeah, they're competing. I think that's the most important thing, Matt, is that – they have a style in which they want to play. Whether you win or lose, a lot of times is, is immaterial. At this, once you come to this conclusion and say, "Hey, you know, we're not necessarily going to be in the, the quote unquote the playing conversation, everything else, and maybe things can still happen." But just when you're talking about a developmental year, you want to establish a style in which you play. And I've been impressed with a guy like Killian Hayes, who I wasn't sure, especially early in the season how he was going to fit. He didn't always look sure of himself. He didn't look like he knew he belonged from a skill set standpoint. And the light has sort of come on for him, and I think other players have sort of rallied behind that a little bit. So you, once you add to that, that you have you have those two younger guys, they're figuring it out. You've got Bogey Bogdanovich, who's really, really come on. And then you've got like a mainstay like an Isaiah Stewart, who just legit 
plays hard. I think that makes for some competitive nights. That Miami win was really, really impressive. I thought they were legitimately impressive in, in the Lakers' loss because sometimes you have to find a way to stay in games when you're not playing well, when things aren't necessarily going right for you on either end of the floor. And they kept themselves engaged and they kept themselves involved. And I think, Matt, that's a positive sign. You can't just win when everything is going well for you. Sometimes you've got to find a way to stay in the games when nothing's working for you. Vince Goodwill with us here on the Pistons pod from a Yahoo Sports Sees all the teams, including the Pistons, and uh, knows this league inside and out. Go back to Killian for a second. I mean, was there a, just a moment in a game recently that, that you're right, the light comes on, and it, there's almost like a swagger to him now, whereas he had that young role player look, what, weeks ago? Yeah, it, it's it's almost like, you know, stair-step process where you look up and you're like, man, he looks so confused and you can see it on young players when young players don't know, you know, where they belong or how they belong compared to when they do. It's almost like a relief. And then you figure out, Matt, that they've been good at basketball their entire lives. Like this is the first real sign of, man, I don't know if I'm figuring this out. The real sign of adversity at, you know, you're 21 years old, you're in a, you know, a new, not necessarily a new place, but you're, you're in this pro environment which is very unforgiving and everybody's out, you know, to pretty much establish themselves. So to see him like in that new Orleans game, just to see the confidence, just to see him, you know, rallying guys to see him get into guys, you know, there's still some struggles and things that he's going to have to figure out that, you know, maybe limitations to his game or whatever, but he at least looks like he belongs on an NBA floor. He looks like he will be able to find his way once this team is full again. And in the meantime, he's taking the opportunities that's in front of him, and he's making the best of it. They're putting the ball in his hands more than they're putting them in yeah. Jaden Ivey's hands. Yeah, which is okay. And I, and I think there's some times, too. And, you know, Jaden coming over from Purdue where he was more of a two and then now is playing some one with Killian. I love it. I, I like the fact that I think defenses and other, and other coaches maybe aren't so sure how to – you know, how the game is going to go based on those two guys kind of having some interchangeable looks to them uh, on the offensive end, right? Yeah, and, and very rarely in today's game will you see a player come in. This guy is a legit 35-minute, 35-minute-a-night point guard. Like, usually you, there's more, it's more of a versatility thing. And the problem sometimes comes in if a guy can't play the position not that he's equipped to play two positions I feel like Jaden is going to develop into that point guard spot like he's making different reads on the floor like I asked Dwayne Casey about it the other night and I said you know what do you see when he's making reads he said sometimes he makes the right read and sometimes you're scratching you're ready to pull your hair out and that's just being a rookie and if you're an opposing team and you've got Killian Hayes on one side who's a really good spot up three-point shooter now and you've got Jaden Ivey on the other side who literally within the the snap of a finger can get from the three-point line to three-point line and really you know hit that burst then you've got some versatility that other teams will have a a tough time playing for while those two guys are also learning how to play with each other and learning how to play off each other's talents. Vince Goodwill with us from Yahoo Sports Uh, more on Ivey um, you know it's weird, like like we said. I mean, th- this can't be easy for him because obviously, when he was drafted, he's thinking, "All right, I'm gonna play alongside Cade Cunningham." And now, with the injury to Cade, this changes just about everything. But like you said, um, it's still basketball sometimes, right? And you just see the athleticism and you just see the instincts that this young man has. 
Yeah, I, I think sometimes we get wrapped up, media fans, into, well, what position does he play? What is he? And then when the ball is tipped, you're just out there playing ball. And you wind up figuring things out as you go along. And he's thinking, man, I'm going to be playing off with Kay Cunningham, a guy going into his second year himself, and looking up to him. You know what I mean? Like you got one young player looking up to another young player trying to figure things out. But that's kind of the dynamic that, that you want in a way. And I've seen some I've seen some growth in Jay Knight. I think that jump shot is going to get better once he develops more confidence in it. And I think shot recognition is going to be really, really key for him moving forward. Once you know that you're going to be playing 30 minutes a night, once you know that you're going to get those opportunities, you don't have to rush the game. You don't have to force the game. But also being able to take advantage of those opportunities where he gets out in the open floor, and not just that, he doesn't quit defensively. Like when he sees an opportunity to, you know, chase a guy down, he got the building rocking the other night with that chase down block against, uh, I think it was Dennis Schroeder. Schroeder did not see him coming. And he had one of those old school Tayshawn Prince pins it up against the glass and he got the crowd on his feet. I think those are the type of plays that while he can be frustrating at, at times, that he gives you a little bit of light, a lot of light, just from a standpoint of effort, just in the standpoint of rec- recognizing there's a play to be made. By the way, it's nice to see a lot more Piston fans at the Lakers game <laughs> than, than the last few years where it's like, uh-oh, the, the, the LeBron jerseys, the AD jerseys were making their way. I was, uh, it was a good crowd the other night for sure. And I know, I know you've been in other gyms at the same way. Yeah, it's the, the crazy thing is you go to see LeBron, and he's reached the stage of his career, Matt, where you, know, he, you, you don't know how much time he has left. Right. You, you don't know if it's four years, three years, whatever. So you want to be able to get the glimpses in and everything else. But you want your team to win at least before it was almost like it was almost like a genuflecting at the altar of LeBron. Now it kind of feels like I think especially, you know, the incident with Isaiah Stewart, where they were really, really into it. I think that got it turned back. And it was like the, the people, the generation of fans who missed the Pistons Cavs rivalry, you know, when LeBron was first getting into the playoffs and, having, and was having to deal with the Pistons for a few years. Once that went away, I think those people started to come back and say, hey, we're not supposed to like this guy. Like, we're supposed to boo this guy. And I think a little bit of that came out with, with combined with, of course, some of that appreciation, too. No no question about it. What about Beef Stew playing with Duran and getting an opportunity to obviously spread the floor a little bit? How much do you like that? I like the fact that he's a guy, Matt, that was not married to saying, you know what, I'm a starting NBA center. This is the position I'm going to play. This was always, I felt like this was always part of the long-term plan, at least from the organization standpoint, you know, once they drafted him, knowing, you know, okay, from a height standpoint, you know, you're probably not going to be able to match up directly with centers all the time. But if you can develop an outside shot, if you work on your footwork as far as being able to navigate navigate screens, being able to navigate where you are on the floor with your back to the rim defensively, like a lot of times I don't think people understand how hard it is for big players to play in space defensively. If you know where the rim is, you can operate within that, you know, that five-foot radius. But when you've got to operate a lot further out, 
and you've got to know where everybody is on the floor and just and know where they are peripherally as opposed to them being directly in front of you. That's a really tough adjustment, and you have to be really willing to be uncomfortable. And Isaiah Stewart, as tough of a player as he is, he is somebody that wants to get better. And I think that jump shot has come a long way, even though we saw the form early on, just his willingness and confidence to be able to take that shot, knowing he has to take that shot, Matt, because that's the way that it works, because that's the way that he and Jalen Duran are going to be able to maximize playing together with Duran's athleticism and space around the rim, and Stewart's going to have to be able to take a step out. I like the recognition and maturity from Isaiah Stewart to figure that out. Vince, what about Duran? Um, he does not look like an 18-, 19-year-old kid out there at all. I mean, my goodness, just I love the offensive glass work he does and just the putbacks, the dunks. He goes right back up. He's not bringing the ball down, and uh, he's going to be special, isn't he? See ball, get ball. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Some, yeah. some, sometimes you have to make the game as simple as possible, and especially if you're 18 years old. You're talking about the youngest player in the league, and I, I think there's there's got to be almost an appreciation for that. Like, Matt, I was the youngest guy on it, on an NBA beat, and I was like 26, and I felt like my, my head was spinning, and I was a grown person at that point. I couldn't imagine being 18 years old and being on, on an NBA floor and having to figure all those things out. And, yeah, there's times where he looks like, He's 18. There's times where he'll pick up uh, a few quick fouls in bunches, but that's what you expect. But then when you see him run the floor, when you see him attack the glass, like he doesn't expect plays to be run for him. He's just going to get the ball off the glass, go play in the open floor, and then he'll develop. Like I feel like he's got like a one dribble, turn to the middle, and fade jump shot that's a little bit mechanical, but you see the footwork, you see sort of the fundamentals there that he can build upon, kind of the way you saw Isaiah Stewart develop that jump shot. You see sort of the talents and the gifts, the things that you can't teach, and then you see some of the things that you're going to be able to sort of refine as time goes on. Yeah, time that we're recording this, uh, three straight games for Jalen Duran over 12 rebounds. Uh, man, I mean, just a shot in the arm, and obviously somebody that uh, I know Troy Weaver and the staff are just uh, loving the development. Talking to Vince Goodwill with us uh, from Yahoo Sports here on the Pistons Pod. Appreciate you guys uh, listening and finding us wherever you get your podcast. You mentioned uh, Bogey Bogdanovich before. Yeah, he's putting up 38 one night, 31 the next. I like that he got tossed the other night. I like that, <laughs> you know, you look up and he won, you know, it's a it's a December game and, and he gets ejected. He's, he's a, a, a spitfire as well as a guy right now filling up the basket. I just want to know what he said. <laughs> yeah. The, the curiosity in me is to say, what did you say to get two quick texts in such a, uh, you know, it, was, it wasn't even, you know, a bang, bang. It was literally like, no, you're gone. Like, how fiery does a player have to be in, in that spot? And I think, you know, from a leadership standpoint, you don't think of a guy, you might not think of a bulky as a leader, but those guys pay a lot of attention to what he does, not from the standpoint of getting ejected, but just the standard that he sets as far as playing hard, being a professional. I think everybody always likes to say, hey, throw the babies out there with the bat for it. Just, just get 12 young guys and call it a day. But you need to have veteran guys out there to show you how to be a professional, show you how to approach the game, who can also still play. And he feels very invested with these young players, very invested with that jersey. And that's not always something you can say regardless of a player's standing or how much money he's making, but he's a guy that goes out there and competes and I really like that about him. I think he's a better defender than uh, people thought. You now that we get to see him every night, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things. He, he moves his feet well. He knows how to read the switches. I think a lot of times when you see young teams get confused, you'll see two on the ball and someone would be wide open, and they'll be looking at each other like, which way did he go? You know, that type of thing. But Bogey is one of those guys who will push a guy to the, he'll push a guy off and he'll call a guy and say, Hey, I'm taking, I'm taking him. And he, he navigates the floor. So much about defense is literally stand in front of a guy for one and a half dribbles until you navigate him or move him to the help. You're not really standing in front of a guy for six, seven, eight, nine dribbles. That's just not how the league works. But once a guy goes into his move, just being able to get, give him some space and resistance. And I, I really, like I said, that's part of that is just competing. You know what I mean? Part of that is just a willingness and a want to to play some defense. And I think Bulky has that. You mentioned before uh, uh, talking to Dwayne Casey. How do you think he's you know handling this? He's just the ultimate pro. And obviously, uh, he's been around now a handful of years here in Detroit, not just with his stays in Toronto and other places, but certainly with the Cade news, he, it's disappointing. But as he said the other day, uh, the right move and the move that they you know wanted him and his family to make as far as the surgery goes. But how does a veteran coach like this keep the, the keep the ship righted with such a young team? It's not an easy thing. Like you know what I mean. Like it's 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 not an easy task because this is not the team that he came in to coach initially. And when they changed direction and he leaned full in to the rebuild and developing these young guys, he still has the energy to do it. And you're always very curious to see a coach who's been around, who's coached over a thousand games. Do you have the energy to teach every day? Do you have the energy and the patience to go through the process, even after losing a guy like Kay Cunningham? There's still so many guys on this roster to develop. And it seems like he rolled up his sleeves and he started to figure, you know, he started, I'll say figure some things out, but he started to embrace that. He started to, you know, embrace the work. And a lot of times that's something that you wonder if someone has the energy to do. He's a made man, man, not just from a coach of the year standpoint, but he's a champion. He's been a coach a few times over and he's been, you know, I would say he's approaching the you know longest tenured coach, maybe since Chuck Daly, if, if my, if, if things are, you know, striking me correctly, I know Stan Van Gundy was around for a while, but it seems like Dwayne is approaching that stage where longest tenure coach in Piston history since the early nineties is going to be a title that's his in a little bit. And we've had some great coaches here, uh, both in yours and mine era, my era. You're right. It was, you know, Carlisle was two, Larry was two, flip was three and they all won. But Dwayne's been here a lot longer than those guys. Uh, uh, that is for sure. Interesting. Uh, a team like Sacramento comes into town uh, this week. Yep. What a job Mike Brown has done. And then that's, I think, what makes the league kind of interesting now. There's There's been some surprise teams this year. Look what Rick's doing in Indy, right? Look, you you got a bunch of teams. There's no, you know, there's the argument that the NBA loves and needs the, the, the behemoths, the dominant teams that the casual fans can get around. But for the fans in places like Indiana, like the basketball diehards, Sacramento, like, Sacramento hasn't been relevant on on the NBA scale for almost like two decades from, you know, the Chris Webber, Jason Williams, Mike Bibby days where they were, you know, throwing the ball all around and they were really, really entertaining. It came really, really close to winning the championship. And now Mike Brown, who's, you know, who's only had one losing season as an NBA coach, mind you, one losing season. Mm. And he and he and he gets another run at it and he's turned he's turned those guys around. And the hardest thing, these you know this. When a team has been losing for a long time, to get guys from the first day of practice into saying, this is not who we are. We're changing the way we do things. We're going to do things consistently. The, that buzzword of culture. And they've got, they've got something pretty special there with, you know, with De'Aaron Fox, with Sabonis. 
Like, I like the team that they got. And I think, you know, 30 games in, I don't think that usually you see Mirage is still 30 games in. I feel like you kind of are what you are in a good way. And if they're going to be in the thick of this playoff conversation, that is very, very good for them. Final thing, best best two teams in the league right now. It can be either conference, uh, uh, just uh, off the top of your head. Who, who, who are the best two teams right now? They're both in the East, Milwaukee and Boston, with a, with a nod to our, our buddy Willie Green. Uh, in New Orleans, who, who I believe is the third best team in the league. But I, I think Boston and Milwaukee are far and away the teams that play to their identity. They know exactly who they are. They're going to play that way. And even if it means you come up with a loss sometimes, you still are going to play consistently. Giannis Antetokounmpo, the best player in the world. Jason Tatum might be the MVP front runner at this time. Those two feel like they're on a collision course. Maybe, maybe if those team, those guys in Cleveland can become party crashers, but I feel like Boston and Milwaukee, I feel like we're, we're going to be there for seven glorious games in May, uh, for the right to see who represents the Eastern NBA finals. I think it makes, it would make Pistons fans that are listening right now feel good about what you just said, Vince, because. Last week, uh, Pistons played New Orleans on a back-to-back after winning the night before in Miami undermanned and only lost by six, and we're right there at the end of that game. Yeah, and and once again, another team that that plays to their character. New Orleans plays to their character. They've They've got perhaps the most explosive player in the league in Zion Williamson, and while he had his moments, they didn't let that sort of you know get them down like they would take their punches but they would deliver some back you know you you got you kind of teeter a little bit and then Sadiq Bey would hit a three and then another three Killian Hayes would make an amazing pass to get some some guys some open shots I like the fact that they don't get demoralized and some of the games as a young team Matt you're going to take your hits you're going to take your lumps that's just the way it goes but the games where you feel like you can stay in it against really good teams those are the games that you feel like you got to put yourself in a position to steal. And they put themselves in a position to steal that game against, in my opinion, the third best team in the NBA. Mm. All right, Vince, always love catching up. Appreciate you doing this. Always good, these. There he is, Vince Goodwill with us, formerly of the Detroit News, covered the Pistons for a very long time, now senior NBA writer at Yahoo Sports. Follow him on Twitter and check out his stuff at Yahoo Sports and Yahoo.com, of course. We're back again next week with another installment of the Pistons pod right here at Pistons.com.